Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm Mark Blunden and this is The Leader. Hold on to your Oyster cards because London's biggest tube drivers union is warning of a series of long-lasting and hard-hitting strikes this spring. The Standard's transport editor Ross Lydell has revealed Asleff's dramatic escalation in a pensions row set to leave ordinary Londoners suffering as per as we're just trying to get from A to Z comes as London Underground on Tuesday celebrates its 160th anniversary. More on that later. But what's Aslef boss Mick Whelan saying after negotiations with the Department for Transport? How are the thoughts going to Whelan? Any progress? Um, any money? Uh, on nothing that? to say, actually. It's been described as frustrating. Would you say the same about the talks you've just been in? I'm not going to make any comments, though, unfortunately. Hmm, not very much then. But we do know that Aslef is giving notice to Transport for London that it's balloting its 2,000 members over changes to pensions and working conditions. The outcome due around Valentine's Day, there'll be no love lost between the union and TFL, and drivers could take to the picket lines again in March. And there's money woes for Sadiq Khan, who needs to shave £100 million from TfL's pension scheme as part of the government's COVID bailout. Now let's speak to Ross. You've been investigating this spring strike threat from Aslef. What have you discovered so far? Listeners will be familiar with both the rail strikes that most recently brought chaos to the first working week of 2023. And also, if they have longer memories, there were six tube strikes last year that essentially shut down the entire network for six different days back from sort of July time. And those tube strikes last year were called by the RMT, which essentially employs the majority of station staff. But now ASLEF has got in on the act as well, and it represents about two thirds of all the drivers on the tube. And what this means is that both main unions on TFL or on the tube are now very concerned about what may happen to staff pensions. And essentially, ASLEF has given TFL notice this week that it is about to reballot its members to essentially what's known as continue the mandate for strike action. Essentially, this is the legal permission to allow it to call strikes over a six-month period. It hasn't actually named any more strike dates yet. It obviously has to wait and see what happens with the vote, but it's highly likely 
that the drivers belonging to ASLEF who work on the tube will vote to renew the mandate to go on strike should the union bosses wish to actually name a date. So what's it all over? This is not a dispute about pay, this is about pensions and working conditions and it's both the same for the RMT and for ASLEF here, whereas there obviously is a pay row on the railways, but on the tube, it's not about pay because tube staff had an 8% rise back in April. So they've actually been quite well looked after. And the current dispute essentially is about pensions. This dates back to the many bailouts that TfL got from the government during the pandemic period, when essentially it needed lots of extra funding to keep services running. As part of that condition on receiving the cash, the government said to TfL, It's costing too much for you to run your pension scheme and you have to try and trim back the costs by about £100 million a year. Go and review the options. Now, these options are due actually to be presented by TfL to the government on the 31st of January. It's only in a sort of matter of a week or two. We don't know what they say yet, but TfL insists that the options will not include making fundamental changes to the pension scheme that will essentially look to impose detrimental terms on those who receive a pension or contribute into the pension pot. And how are the unions feeling about TfL's plans? That has not allayed the fears of both the RMT and ASLEF unions, and that is essentially at the heart of their concerns. They basically fear that their pensions will become less valuable under changes that may be coming down the track than they currently are. There's a sort of secondary concern as well about the fear of job losses, both like essentially fewer drivers on the tube. Uh, again, this hasn't been confirmed by TfL, but ASLEF is worried that there'll be a sort of a natural wastage, if you like, that when drivers leave, they won't be replaced. This has already been happening with tube station staff, that 600 posts are being removed as people leave and go and work elsewhere or retire. So this is essentially ASLEF flexing its muscles and saying it stands alongside the RMT and that it wants to negotiate any changes and will not have any changes imposed upon it or its members by TfL bosses. And does all this money saving have an impact on passenger fares? This does have a sort of indirect impact on fares because the government's wish that TfL essentially cuts its cloth and reduces its overall cost base. Certainly, it's meant to save about £500, £600 million overall over the next year or two. And one of the areas it's been told to look at by the government is the cost of its pension pot. So yes, the £100 million requirement or the requirement to save £100 million on pensions does link into the bigger picture that TfL has got to become more cash efficient and essentially not cost as much to run. Uh, One way they do that is obviously save on expenditure. The other way they're going to do that is put the fares up again. And we're looking like a sort of fares rise of around 6% that will be announced by the Mayor Sadiq Khan probably at the end of January. In that Mick Whelan clip outside the DFT, he was very coy. Why? That suggests to me that a deal may be getting slightly closer. Both Mick Lynch and Mick Whelan have been very keen to talk and put their side of the argument across to the media over the last month or two, perhaps even longer. You know, uh, I've been in quite a few picket lines now with Mick Lynch, where he will stand for hours and talk to pretty much every journalist who's willing to bear the cold weather and ask him questions. So the fact that he and his colleague and Aslef have come out of the DFT unwilling to say things may also be partly due to the fact that they may have been asked by ministers not to conduct negotiations in public. I think both sides agree that uh, if they're getting closer to a deal, then sometimes mum's the word is the best approach. Let's go to the ads. Coming up, the 
the Tube's 160th birthday, a new roundel, and union fears over driver-only trains. Why not hit rate and follow in the meantime? Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We've spoken about pensions. What's the other big sticking point? One of the issues seems to be that of driver-only trains. This was apparently inserted at the last minute to essentially scupper a deal that could have been uh, struck just before Christmas. Aslef and the RMT are sort of in principle opposed to the idea of removing guards from mainline trains, even though some trains actually don't have any guards, the London Overground and Thameslink amongst them. And there are reports around that perhaps the government may no longer insist that the two unions sign up to the driver-only trains in principle, and therefore they could that would allow them to come together a little bit more closely on the issue of how much of a pay rise their members want. The issue, of course, with the union chiefs is that many of their union members will now be feeling the pinch, having been out on strike about half a dozen times Last year, every time they go on strike, they lose a day's pay. Now to London Underground's 160th anniversary party at Baker Street. And here's Mayor Sadiq Khan explaining how the capital's tube network has evolved. It was run by steam. We've now got 272 stations, 11 lines, uh, more than 400 kilometres. And we've gone from strength to strength. Last year, of course, uh, we opened a different sort of line, the Elizabeth uh, line, Uh, Just two years ago, we had the first extension this century with the Northern Line. Ross, this new roundel that was unveiled at Baker Street, can you describe what it looks like? Well, I guess it's fair to say it's not uh, very round. Uh, People will be familiar with the sort of roundel, which essentially is the sort of red bordered circle with the blue bar through the middle that will normally then say the name of the station they're at. And this sort of goes back more than 100 years to almost sort of ties in when the the first tube map appeared as well uh, to essentially help Londoners, passengers to navigate their way around the underground. What they've unveiled today is in a heart shape. It still uses the same colours. You have a a red border, a white centre of the heart. And in the blue section, the blue bar across the middle, it says rather than Baker Street, it says love the tube. And then it has the number 160, 160 below, and uh, that links to 160 years of service. 
uh, basically it was 160 years ago today that the very first London Underground train began to run. What have you learnt about what the opening day was like back in 1863? Not everybody could actually get on at that day. It was a Friday when it began running and it was only 600 to 700 VIPs who were allowed to board these little two-carriage open-air trains that ran from Paddington round to Farrington Street, as the station was called then, before they then got off and went to have a banquet to celebrate. The uh, Great Unwashed, if you like, got their chance the following day on the Saturday, about thirty to 40,000 tried to cram onto this little track and uh, it was described then in the press as almost being as crazy as it normally would be as people try to get into the uh, seasonal pantomime and get their seats there. So it was a fairly crowded situation there. At the time, there were only seven stations, but it did make a dramatic impact on journeys in terms of this was people who would be arriving at Paddington or Euston and trying to get round to the city uh, to go to work. And of course, uh, you know, 160 years on, the rest is history. The London Underground is not only the oldest and probably the most famous underground system in the world. Finally, you've written about some of the trials of travelling as a commuter in the 1860s. What have you learnt it was like? I think what was fascinating uh, to look back on was actually the problems they had in construction. I spent many years writing about the delays to Crossrail, which obviously now is known as the Elizabeth Line. And uh, actually back in the 1860s, when they were trying to build the first tube line, they were delayed by many, many months because they came across the Fleet Ditch, which I assume was part of the Fleet River. And essentially that really sort of bust its banks on several occasions and uh, meant they had to sort of start work again. So it was not an easy task building this first tube line, even though it was largely a subsurface line. So just sort of in the old sort of tunnelling approach, they didn't have to dig deep into the London clay to build it. It was a sort of cut and cover approach that they had. So that was fascinating, just shows what a challenge it's been. There's more on this story in the Evening Standard newspaper and online at standard.co.uk. That's The Leader. We're back on Wednesday at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.